You are listening to audio from Hyde Park Baptist Church in Lumberton, North Carolina. You can join us each Sunday morning at 1045 Eastern Standard Time at hydepark.online.church. I first want to say thank you for Pastor Bobby uh, for standing in for me last week. Um, Both my parents were very sick, uh, still are very sick. Uh, Both of them are at home. Um, COVID has taken a toll on them, and um, it was a kind of a rough weekend last weekend, and uh, I just appreciate the flexibility, uh, not only this congregation shows me, but also my, my staff, that uh, when I'm in need of something, they just step right up and, and get done what needs to get done, and I'm, I'm just so very thankful for them, not only them, but our elders and our deacons as well, and for the way that they serve. I would ask that you continue to pray for my parents. My dad's name is Bill. Uh, my mom's name is Evelyn. Uh, it was rough, rough several days last week and over the weekend. So I really appreciate your prayers that you've already been praying for them. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 3. This is not your typical Christmas text, but it's okay. We've been walking through some portions of Matthew. Let's pick it up in verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? But Jesus answered him and said, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Father, We bow this morning, we say thank you for your goodness and grace. And Father, we do adore you. We love you. We thank you for your goodness. And Father, we couldn't have said it been said any better than what Miss Pam had to say, that we're just thankful for another year. We're thankful, Father, for all the blessings. And while there's been some hard things this year that we've had to endure, some things that we've had to go through, Father, you have been faithful every single second, every single moment you have been right there. When we've called on you, you have answered. When we have needed you, you've been right by our side. When we needed comfort, you comforted. When we needed strength, you provided strength. Lord, when we were afraid, you gave us courage. And so, Father, we praise you and we thank you. And Father, we know that there's some this morning, even now, that are still struggling. Some this morning, even now, that are worried about what they've got to face tomorrow or later this afternoon. Some, Lord, that couldn't even be here today because of sickness. So, Father, we lift them up and we ask that you would intervene. Father, with all of the busyness over the last few weeks, in these moments we have together, I pray, Father, that we could focus for a little while on what you came to accomplish, that you didn't stay in a manger. But, Lord, right here as we see John baptizing you in the Jordan, Father, we begin to see what you came to do. We ask all this in the strong and powerful name of Christ. Amen. How many parents were up early this morning? Raise your hands. Let's see, yep, early, right? How many of you have uh, been able to watch your kids open some gifts this morning and watching them open those gifts has made you grin from ear to ear and you've just enjoyed your entire morning? Say amen. Man, some of you are a little tired. I can see I can hear it in your voice. I went shopping the other day, uh, something I don't do a lot of. I'm not very good at it, but I really needed to get my wife something for Christmas. And while I was up uh, taking care of my parents, I got some time away to go do some shopping. 
And I, would, I had mentioned, I had remembered her mentioning, because guys, you know how this works, right? As you're listening to your wife over the months leading up to Christmas, you're trying to take note of things that they mention. And I remember my wife mentioning some weeks ago that we needed some new sheets for our king-size bed. So I, I roll up into this place called Bed Bath Beyond to Eternity and something else. I don't know what it was. But whatever this store was, as far as the eye could see, was blankets and sheets and towels and washcloths. And for a moment there, I thought I had lapsed into purgatory, and I didn't know if I was ever <laughs> going to make it out of this place. And once I finally find the aisle where all the bed sheets are, I had, folks, I had no idea. I, I, I live a pretty sheltered life, quite frankly. I had no idea that there was that many options for bed sheets. There's a whole wall of bed sheets here, and, and my first task is to figure out, okay, I can get the right size. That I know, because if I get twin sheets for a king, that ain't gonna work. So I know I gotta get to the section where the, the king stuff is, so I find that, and then there's like thread count and, and colors, and, and like there's different sets, and there's stuff that are in these packages, I don't even know what they are, but apparently it goes on your bed. Stuff like dust ruffles. Anybody know what that is? Man, do y'all know what a dust ruffle is? I have no idea what that is. My wife knows. I'm sure we've got one somewhere. But I'm reading this. I don't even know what I'm looking at. And there's all these choices. I needed some help. You know who I needed there, right? I needed my wife there to help me figure out what we actually needed. I walked out of that store and didn't buy a thing. <laughs> I didn't know what to buy. And, you know, I pulled up Google and I'm looking up these different brands. Is this a good brand? Oh, it's got like three stars. This has got four. I've been standing in the same place for 40 minutes. I haven't purchased anything and finally I just left. Went to another store that had a lot less selection, and I was able to finally make a choice. Here's the point. Man, choices can be overwhelming. Walk down the cereal aisle in the grocery store. Choices can be overwhelming, confusing, even paralyzing. And as I walk through that mall, and as I walk through those stores, I begin to look at the faces of the people that I was walking by, and I begin to wonder, how many of these people know the Jesus that I know? How many of these people who are, who are out celebrating what they know to be Christmas as a holiday where they buy stuff and wrap stuff and put up trees, how many of them really know the Jesus that I know behind the Christmas story, the reason we celebrate, the reason, the reason everyone is so frazzled and ran to death for trees and lights and wrapping paper and bows? Do they really know? Folks, I would offer to you that right now today, less people know the real meaning of Christmas than any other time that you've ever been alive. Today, right now. There are people who got up this morning and they opened their gifts and they had their special breakfast and they're going through their traditions, but they have no idea why we celebrate this holiday. Jesus, we've been looking at Jesus and his life and, and his birth and, 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 we, and we looked at that lineage that says that Jesus is both a son of Abraham, a son of David, a son of the tribe of Judah. We also looked at Joseph and the predicament that he was in. And, and although I didn't get to preach last week, I know that, that part of what we looked at was King Herod trying to take this child out because King Herod was threatened by this new king. Now we're going to fast forward some 30 years. We're going to fast forward 30 years. And I, just like you, I wish that we had some of the gospel writers tell us what it was like to have teenager Jesus in the house, Right? What was it like, Joseph and Mary and, and teenager Jesus or adolescent Jesus or, or preteen Jesus? What was that like? We're not told. Luke gives us just a little bit of insight, not very much. But we don't have any of that, and there's a reason why. 
The gospel writers didn't see that we needed any of that information. Their focus was this king who has come, who is of the lineage of Abraham, David, and of the tribe of Judah, and what he came to accomplish. There's a strange character by the name of John. Now, we've heard a little bit about John. John is the son of Elizabeth, but we know that Elizabeth and Zechariah could not have children. And we know that, that John, the Baptist, was endowed with the Holy Spirit even in the womb of his mother. And he's born, and we don't hear anything else about him until we get to Matthew 3. And all of a sudden, there's this strange guy out at the Jordan River, and he's, he's dressing in camel's hair. He's got a belt around his waist. He's eating the local, well, what he can find in the desert, which happens to be honey and locust. And people are flocking to hear this guy. Some say, some say he's the Elijah that was promised in the Old Testament. Because he, he certainly gives off this Elijah-type vibe, right? He, he's got to be some kind of prophet. And he's out there at the Jordan River, and he's baptizing people. And then one day, the Pharisees and the religious rulers show up. Now, they didn't necessarily come out to be baptized. They wanted to come out and see what was going on. They, they approached John, and John's been doing this for a while, and the crowds are getting larger and larger and larger. And John looks at them, and he says, you bunch of vipers, you bunch of snakes, if you come out to watch the show? And the reason that John said that it's because that when these Jewish people would come out to be baptized, it was a huge, huge deal. Prior to this, baptism was not something that the Jews recognized themselves. Now, Gentiles, people who would want to put their faith in God, Jehovah God, and become, well, Judaizers or those who have transferred into the faith of Judaism, they would be baptized. But Jewish people themselves were never, rarely ever baptized. But now John is preaching a message of repentance and people are flocking out and they are committing themselves afresh and anew to this holy God because of what John is preaching. And these religious rulers come out and they're, they're coming out to simply see what's happening. And he looks at him and he says, you guys are a bunch of vipers, a bunch of snakes in the grass. You're not out here because you want to repent. You're out here to parade around how great and awesome you are. You see... The Jewish people, especially the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they believed that simply because of the family they were born to, simply because that they were born as Jewish people, that therefore they had a relationship with God. They didn't need baptism. They didn't need to repent. And not only that, some of those who would come out because of their wealth and their power and their status, because of their religious practice, that they had to be right with God. And here's John, and he looks right at them, and he says, you guys are a brood of vipers. He says to them that you are living in falsehood. He says, don't you think for a moment that it's just because of your family heritage that God says that you're going to be welcomed into the kingdom? Don't you know that, that God can raise up out of these rocks children of Abraham? And then John begins to talk about one who's going to come, one who would come whose sandals he's not even worthy to carry. You see, John makes very clear that the ministry that's happening at the Jordan River is not about him. It's about someone else. As a matter of fact, in John, in the Gospel of John, John the Baptist, John chapter 3 says, I must decrease and he must increase. Who is he talking about? He's talking about the Messiah. He's talking about the one who was born conceived of a virgin. This morning, I want to give you just three 
or four quick things actually, four things of what Jesus came to accomplish. I want you to start out by looking at verse 11. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus's ministry and that Jesus's ministry is going to begin at this moment when John baptizes him. And the first thing that John says about this ministry of the Messiah, the anointed one, is that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus came to give us power. Power on the inside. Power, not something from the outside in, but from the inside out. Jesus' intent all through the gospel, as we see all the way leading into the book of Acts, we see that Jesus promised over and over again the Holy Spirit, not just that he would come alongside you as they understood in the Old Testament. But Jesus says in John 16 and John 14, the gospel of John, that he will actually live inside of you. That God himself was going to take up dwelling inside of the human being. Now, how in the world could that be possible? Well, it wouldn't be possible except for this next part. He says, not only does he baptize with the Holy Spirit, that you'll be filled and dwelt with the Holy Spirit, but he's also going to baptize you with fire. He's going to purify you. He's going to clean you up. The idea of fire in Jesus' day is that you could take metals, gold, put it in fire, and that the impurities in that gold would float to the top. The only thing that would be left is absolute pure gold. John says that one of the ministries, one of the things that Jesus is going to do is not only to come to give us power, but he's come to give us purity, to make us right with the Father, to clean us up, as we've already talked about as as, uh, Pastor Bobby was leading us through those portions of prayer, and we got to that place of confession. Here he talks about this ministry of repentance, where he says and preaches and proclaims that, that what Jesus is going to do, and what he's going to continue to do, is call people to a place of repentance. You know what repentance is? Repentance is one, number one, it's just acknowledging and agreeing with God that, that we're broken. That on our best day, we make some pretty big mistakes. And not only do we agree with God that we're broken, that we agree with God that we fail, but number two, that we're willing to turn away from that, have a change of mind, which leads to a change of heart, which means, God, I'm not going to run to that anymore. When I have the urge to run to that, I'm going to run to you. That's what repentance is. He says that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's come to give you the power to overcome the brokenness in your life. He has come to heal you. He has come to, well, give you new life. He's also come to clean you up, to change you. The very thing that you've been pursuing your whole life, the very thing you've been running after, that void in your life that you've been trying to fill with everything under the sun, Jesus has for you what you've been looking for your entire life. This baby born in a manger, he didn't stay in a manger. He grew up and he comes out and he sees John. And John says, he's going to baptize you with power. He's going to baptize you in purity, but he's also going to give you a path to follow. Notice this. He says, here's then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him. John's like, Jesus, I'm not worthy to baptize you. But listen to what Jesus says, verse 15. He says, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Now, when Jesus comes out to be baptized, make sure you understand this. Jesus is not seeking baptism because he's a sinner. 
He's not seeking baptism because he's failed. He's not seeking baptism because he needs to repent from God. He's seeking baptism because he wants to clear a pathway for all who will follow him to follow him in baptism. That earthly moment when we make a profession among people that says, I am no longer that person. I am now brand new in Christ, and I am going to follow him. The act of baptism is the act by which we tell the whole world we are now a disciple, a follower of Jesus. No longer a follower of the world. No longer the follower of false idols. No longer the follower of money. No longer the follower of power. I am the follower of Jesus Christ, and I have died to myself, and I have been resurrected to new life, and that's what baptism says. And Jesus says, I'm going to be baptized because it's right and because it's an example for all of those who will come after me. That's why we baptize. Jesus says there's a path that we get to follow. It's the right thing to do. Baptism is that first act of obedience by which we say, not only are we a follower of Jesus, but we are willing to surrender our life to baptism because that's what Jesus said for us to do. And not only said it, but followed it and gave us an example to follow ourselves. But not only did Jesus come to give us power to make us pure and to give us a path to follow, he came to confront one of the difficult things as you read through the Gospels of all the times that Jesus says to the people around him, if you're going to follow me, it's going to cause tension between you and your family, you and your brother, you and your sister, you and your spouse. Following me is going to cause tension. It's not going to be easy. It's going to cause something. Now, salvation itself is free, but following Jesus will cost you everything. Amen? Salvation is free, but following Jesus, walking with Jesus, costs you everything. Nothing can come between you and him. So Jesus says, I have come to confront. If you go back up into these verses where John is preaching this message of repentance, he is preparing for the Messiah to come. And guess what message the Messiah is going to preach? Exactly the same message, even stronger. Jesus will say, you can't have money as your master and me as your master. Jesus will preach in the Sermon on the Mount. He'll say, look, adultery doesn't start when you do the physical act, adultery starts in the mind. And by the way, hatred starts there as well. Jesus will teach what it means to follow him, and he'll say, it, it, what it looks like to follow me is to take up a cross, an instrument of death that requires you to die daily. So Jesus came to not only give us power, but to make us pure and to give us a path to follow, but he also came to confront. Now you may not think about Christmas as being confrontational, but the reality is, and we've already sung about it this morning, Emmanuel, God with us, that changes everything. The closer you get to God, the more you focus on him, the more the reality is you begin to see all the imperfections and the brokenness in your life. That's why some people never want to pray or seek God's face. They don't want to speak with him or talk with him or pray to him because in the same moment, it begins to point out what's really going on in our own heart. Emmanuel with us, what Christmas means is that Jesus is coming. His death and his resurrection, his perfect life, the things that he taught, the things that he modeled for us is to point us to the reality that not only are we broken people, but there is a pathway to freedom. 
There's a pathway to joy. There's a pathway to purpose. There's a pathway with living the life that God has called you to live. But that path runs right to the foot of a cross and an empty tomb. There is no other way. Jesus himself said, there is no other way. There is no other gods. And while most people in the world, most people in our country, most people that you walk by in the malls and the stores, most of those people, most of those people have no idea about the Jesus you love and you follow. Most of them have no idea. If you're a college, if you're a college student has come home, most of the college students, if you're at a secular college campus, most of the students on your campus do not know who Jesus is and what he came to accomplish. The very thing that's missing in their life, the very thing they've been searching for their whole life is right there in the name of Jesus. Yeah, they have a culture who's telling them that Jesus is nothing more than a fable and a myth. This Jesus in the manger, this Jesus who came to the Jordan River and was baptized by John, this same Jesus who hung on a cross, this same Jesus resurrected, and it's this same Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father, and it's this Jesus who's coming back. Are you ready to meet him face to face? Father in heaven, thank you for the Christmas season. Thank you for your love. And thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the kids in this room. What a joy it is to look out and see how the kids here this morning. Father, I pray for these families. And Father, whether their children are still small and at home or whether now it's grandchildren or whether their children have moved all across the country and even the world. And, and maybe today is going to be more of a lonely day than a day filled with a home full of people and kids. I, whatever the situation, whether today is more of a dark day because of the memories that, that it brings up, or maybe today is a day filled with joy, no matter what, today is the day we want to worship and honor and glorify you. For you came to this world. You came to, to where broken people were. You lived among us. You loved us right where we were. And you offer salvation to all who will receive it. It is a free gift. The gift has already been prepared. All that, has to be, all that has to occur now is to be received. You've came to give us power over sin. You've came to clean us up and give us a brand new life. You have come to show us the pathway that we're called to walk, and you have come to confront us. Lord, may that confrontation happen today, right here, even as we celebrate your birth. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand again and let's worship. Thank you for tuning in to this week's sermon. For more information about Hyde Park Baptist Church, please check out our website, hydepark.church, or on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Hyde Park Baptist.